Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. A group of socialites gather for an exclusive dinner party held on Manhattan Island. Things are not what they seem in this high society gathering. The meal of the evening, human memory. Join Mike Diana, a reporter played by Mitch, and Adam as the handler, as we embark on the party of a lifetime and Operation Chopstick Headcount, a Delta Green scenario created by Melonbread. If you would like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. There you can find up-to-date news and a link to our Discord. If you would like to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. So you're sitting next to this woman on the couch right now. She just poured you a drink from this strange vessel and she's beginning to get pretty close to you. You see that she's kind of like putting her hand on your knee and she's kind of leaning in, flirting with you a little bit. And before you even have time to say anything, you notice a woman begin walking into the room and all of the guests turn their attention to this woman and they begin cheering, some of them even clapping. This woman, she's middle-aged, but very beautiful, very stunning. She's wearing this business suit and it somehow doesn't leave much to the imagination. Like she's so beautiful that even this very modest outfit somehow is very evocative. Everybody begins praising her as she steps into the room and she kind of displays this aura of something that only a true socialite would possess. Welcome everyone, welcome, welcome. Old friends and new. And she looks right at you. Oh boy, that sounds a chill down the spine. Uh, You can go ahead and roll me either a cult or criminology. 74, definitely not a win. So not a hit, but at any rate, you recognize her picture from the folder. So you recognize her as being the host of this party, Megan Brennan. She kind of stays in the parlor and everybody socializes for about a half hour. Everybody, please enjoy my house. I just ask that you avoid the kitchen in the basement for the time being, as we wouldn't want to spoil the meal that's being prepared. And downstairs is still under some heavy construction. The people in the party just begin socializing with each other, socializing with Megan, and everybody's kind of doing their own thing at this point. Michael sit on the couch and try to take in for a minute that you recognize him as being new. And he'll see if anyone's attitude towards him changes. Does anyone give him any weird looks after she, you know, says that? Are people avoiding him? I'm not even going to make you roll because actually not at all. Everybody seems very unfazed by that statement. Maybe you're not the only new person. Maybe they started as new people beforehand. And they just see you as just going to be another part of the group or whatever. And, you know, they don't seem phased by the fact that you're, you're new at all. Okay. Hmm. The woman sitting next to you on the couch begins eyeing the VHS tape on the table. Have you ever seen that one? It's pretty amazing. You should ask Megan to make you a copy. I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Truly, truly life-changing stuff. Really? No, I haven't seen it, actually. I was very curious about it. Oh, it's well, I can't even explain it to you. Well, you'll have to you'll have to talk to Megan. It's it's pretty amazing. Did she produce it? Oh, no, 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 no. We're we're just merely fans of the work. 
It's okay. Just a, just a great film. I'll take note of the film's title and you know the names that appear on the case that I can see. Is there a restroom around here? Yeah, right down the hall. And you see the woman sitting next to you on the couch points behind her to this hallway. There's a guard standing in front of it. You can't even see his eyes because he's wearing those completely black glasses. But you can see this nice estate has these beautiful, immaculately clean hardwood floors. And it goes through the parlor into this hallway. And she's like, yeah, it's just down at the end of the hallway. Excellent. Thank you. Pardon me. And he'll take his drink with him as he goes down towards the bathroom. You step to where the guard is standing in front of the doorway. And he just kind of glances at you. I'll look at him and look at the door behind him. Am I allowed to pee? He steps to the side for you to just pass. Thank you. And I'll walk into the bathroom. Is it... Single use? Are there multiple stalls? It's a single use bathroom, but it's quite amazing. Actually, you can see that it's kind of, it's, it's almost more than a bathroom. It has this very nice shower with one of the overhead shower head things. And even the shower head itself looks very ornate, like a chandelier or something almost. And it's filled with this amazing tile and it's immaculately clean. And there's these very large mirrors over by where the sink is. All right. As I step into the bathroom, I will lock the door. I'll make sure that there's no one else in there with me and that there are no cameras. Take a look around as if I'm just sort of taking in the grandeur of this particular water closet. And assuming that I don't see anyone else or any cameras, I'll open up my wallet, pull out the scrap paper, write down the name of the video, the names on the case, uh, write down some of the artifacts that I see fold it back up, tuck it back into my wallet, tuck my wallet in, take a leak, flush the toilet, you know, take a leak and give like a really drawn out sigh as if I've been holding it for hours. Then I'll go over and I'll wash my hands, pat them dry on the towel, unlock the door and step out. After, of course, giving myself a quick once over in the mirror to make sure everything's perfect. So you're able to do that. Everything's looking good. And do you exit the bathroom? Yes. And as I walk past the guard, I'll be like, you know, you got to be hydrated for these things. He gives you no reaction as you pass him back into the parlor. You see that Megan has gathered everybody. Ah, there he is. Uh, We were just waiting for you. It's time for us to begin the dinner. Ah, beautiful. I apologize for causing any delay. No, no worries at all. Bit much of the booze. And I'll go where they're going. Megan leads you all to this dining room, just like every other room in the house quite amazing. You see these both modern sculptures, you see these paintings and fresco style art, all types of just very expensive looking shit. Very lovely. Everybody takes a seat around this table and you notice that there's just the perfect amount of seats set out. I'll take a seat. One of the guards goes around and begins removing a metal lid off of each person's ceramic plate that sits in front of them. And you see there's like a steel cup that sits next to the plate as well. The food on the plate looks like a grayish hollandaise sauce or some type of risotto. Hmm. Interesting. I'll, I'll just sort of take it in the smells, the sights, everyone else's table manners. This appears like any high society dinner. Of course, the attendants do seem a little bit more 
drunk, a little bit more, I would say somewhat rowdy. They're just in a very playful demeanor right now. And you see Megan standing. She's not sitting down. She's actually standing at the head of the table. She says, for our newcomer, let me just tell you the proper way to eat this dish. You quickly down the contents of the cup, and then you take a bite of the food on the plate. Take a close look at what's in the cup. It's a clear liquid. Is there any smell coming off of it? No discernible smell that you're able to pick up. It looks like it could be water, but the statement made makes you not quite sure. Okay. All right, I'll wait until everyone else starts eating, and then I'll do as instructed. You see, all the guests, they look very excited. They look like they've done this before. And you see the man that poured you the drink, George. He goes ahead and he takes a big swig out of the cup. And then he shoves a heaping spoonful of the hollandaise slash risotto type food into his mouth. And you see all the others begin doing it as well. Megan is looking at you. All right. I will drink from the cup and take a bite of the food. Almost instantly. You're immobilized by a rush of thoughts to your head. You feel yourself in the mind of another human being, your mind cascading down on top of theirs. You feel yourself filling their awareness. You begin to feel their memories. You begin to live their life, the entirety, in just a, just a few moments. Hmm. That's weird. So I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll. Actually, before you tell me the result of that, Let me just describe something first. You begin to see through a man's eyes. You begin to learn more about his life, about his wants, about the things that made him who he was. You are walking in his shoes as he pulls a thing from a blasted ruin of a city. It's twisted beyond recognition, yet it's somehow still alive. It's howling. Its skin is charred. It's thrashing and wheezing, and he's trying to pull it along, trying to drag it. It's clawing at him. It's fighting him. And what was the result of your sanity? Oh, just over, but not critical. 56 out of 50. So why don't you go ahead and roll one D8 dice, and that's going to be the sanity loss that you're going to take from experiencing violence. All right, I lose three sanity. I'm currently at 47. The memory fades in your transported into another memory of this man's life. You stand in the middle of a giant impact crater. There's an enormous alien seed in front of you. The next few days, it hatches into an inky black tree towering over the landscape and blossoming with red flowers. And the creaking of its mammoth branches and the wind, the song of the great mother. You feel this lifetime lived in a matter of seconds. Go ahead and give me another sanity roll, please. Uh, 74. So this one is going to be 1d4. Also three, down to 44 sanity. Oof, you're close. Living through this man's eyes, you wake from a nightmare and find that he couldn't remember a thing. He couldn't remember the stars that had fallen. He couldn't remember the towering world tree. He hadn't aged a single day since then. The magma matter echoed through his brain every time he slept, promising fecundity and endless burgeoning life. And one last sanity check. Failed that one too. That's going to be a D4. And only one. 
So I'm at 43 sanity. You snap too. You're sitting at the table. It's like no time has passed at all. And you just see all the others. They're still in that same attitude they were before. Just jovial, cheering. You feel fucked up. You feel like you just took drugs or something. You feel like you experienced a lifetime's worth of information, a lifetime's worth of feelings in just this one quick moment. And why don't you actually go ahead and add another bond to your sheet? Oh. This bond is Dr. Kraken. It's the man whose eyes you saw through. And uh, roll 1d4 to find out what the value of that bond is. The bond value is three with Dr. Kraken. You feel this closeness. You feel this sympathy. It's like you watched a sad documentary about somebody's life and you now feel empathetic for them, but just magnified to, to a thousand. Oof. All right, he'll take a moment to sort of gather himself and then he'll steal a quick glance up at the host to see how she is responding to all of this or if she's even paying attention. Megan looks at you smiling. She appears to be giving you time to recover. Some of the other guests have left the room and they're having drinks on the, on the deck right outside of this dining room. You and two other people are still sitting at the table. The two of them are just engaging in seemingly pointless conversation, still laughing, having fun, having a drunk time, while you are sitting there trying to recover your thoughts, trying to center yourself after what just happened. And Megan is looking at you smiling. She seems very pleased. Of course she is. I will uh, grab the alcohol and I will join the others for a drink outside. There he is, Brian. They seem very ecstatic when you join them. I'll put on my best happy face. Everyone, hello, hello. How are we all doing? Great. But how are you doing, Brian? And you see the man, George, with the burnt up hands. He puts the scarred hand on your shoulder and he gives it a, a tight squeeze. I am fantastic. He gives you a hearty pat on the back. Excellent, Brian. Excellent. Welcome. Everybody continues to just drink outside on the porch. Some of them smoke cigarettes. You see the redness in some of their faces as they continue to indulge in the alcohol. You can smell the, the fumes of the alcohol coming off of their skin as you stand in close proximity with them on this somewhat small, somewhat quaint porch. You all snag one of those cigarettes. Nice little uh, return to reality there. Help ground me. And you're able to. As weird as these people are, you continuing to drink with them, smoking cigarettes with them, and otherwise engaging with them is helping you feel somewhat normal again. You're starting to rationalize what just happened. I mean, you still are very confused, but maybe they just did weird drugs. You're not really sure. You seem to be fine right now, so let's just keep going, is what you tell yourself. And they seem to really be enjoying your company. You hardly have to fake it with these people. You came here disguised, but you don't feel disguised anymore. Okay. I'll I'll keep socializing, uh, You know, finish off that cigarette, go with the flow of everything that happens around me, keeping, you know... A small part of my brain tucked aside, basically going, what the fuck? You need to get out of here. You see off the side of the deck, 
there's these very beautiful cliffs facing the ocean and you can hear the waves crashing against them. You can feel this breeze and you can smell that ocean air and it's somewhat comforting, but you still feel this very alien feeling. Megan comes out onto the deck and shuts the door behind her and she takes a deep breath of the air. She still looks fantastic. The woman that you were sitting next to on the couch, oh, oh, Megan. Brian was wondering if he could get a copy of some of the tapes. He's actually never seen them before. The tapes. Oh, you know, the the NG tapes. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, Brian, I'd I'd be happy to make you some copies from my from my first generation one, actually. I think you'll really enjoy it. Oh, thank you. I'd appreciate that. She's giving you this look, and it's can you give me a human troll? Absolutely. Oh, just above it. 65 out of 60. She's giving you this I know look almost, but she's still smiling and being very friendly with you. She looks so beautiful. It's almost entrancing. Everybody, why don't you grab your drink and join us in the basement? One final thing to show you all. All right, I will grab my drink and make my way towards that basement. But I will make sure that I'm more towards the end of the group going down. Not middle, not first, not the absolute end, but close enough. The armed guards, yes. Now you begin to see that they have weapons that they're not afraid to show. Begin leading the group through these halls of this beautiful, almost mansion, to where you guys get to this wide double doors made out of this beautiful aged-looking wood. And a guard on each side opens the doors, and Megan just begins walking through the open doorway. The guests begin to follow her down the stairs. I will follow the crowd. These stairs seem to go on for a long time. You notice that they're made completely out of stone. And the farther down you go, you're just noticing that it just appears to be even less modern, more ancient looking as this staircase descends lower and lower. Hmm. Can you roll archaeology? Nope. Critical failure. 88. Yeah, it looks real old. It seems to take at least a few minutes to get to the very bottom of these stairs. And when you do get to the very bottom, you find yourself in this very large, cold basement. It's some, like half of it is like a wine cellar. And there's these stone walls. And the ground is made out of this kind of nicer, like cobblestone. You begin to look around. You see all sorts of manners of the weird art and weird relics that were upstairs downstairs as well you notice that the second half of the basement appears to be what looks like a morgue you see refrigerated trays you see dead bodies in the trays uh what now yeah maybe about nine of them you've been inside of a morgue before you know what they look like they have a morgue in the basement completely with refrigerated units trays and there's a little terrifying And there's nine of them on ice right now. All right, then. I will continue walking with the group. Megan begins to lead everybody past the morgue into what appears to be some kind of lab. The room has this strong smell of scented candles and incense and chemical disinfectant. And against one of the walls, 
you see this cage. It's like a kennel style cage, just like the kind that you get at PetSmart or something or any kind of pet store. And inside this cage is this hideous dog-like humanoid man with a long snout. He's trapped inside the cage and he's compressed inside numerous wires. There's tubes and medical looking machines attached to his body. There's a tube sticking into his head and it's pumping some kind of liquid out from his brain. Um, the fuck now? Why don't you go ahead and give me a sanity? Oh, 33 critical success. <laughs> this is really fucked up, but right now your fight or flight is telling you that you cannot break down in this moment. If you want to get out of this, you need to, you real, you, you say to yourself, Michael, you need to bury this inside for now. And we'll, we'll deal with this later. You need to focus on what's at hand right now. And you feel Suck it up, buttercup. You feel the strength to do that. All right. You're just looking at this thing. What the fuck? It's clearly some type of humanoid creature. Nobody appears phased at all when they look at it. They seem pleased. They're sipping their drinks and watching, watching as it stays in this sedated state. It looks large. It looks like a person's size, maybe even a little bit bigger. It's scrawny though. It's very skinny. It doesn't really have any muscle matter. It's horrifying to look at. It's disgusting. The face is almost like a dog, almost like a horse, but the teeth are sticking out past the, past the lips. It's a horrifying snout. How the fuck? Where the fuck? What the fuck? You can see the tube sticking out of its brain is pumping. You hear this slurp as it just continuously pushes this liquid up and it drops into this bucket next to the cage. And you just hear this drop, drop, splash, splash. As it just continues to pump this fluid out into the bucket. And some of the guests stand around looking very pleased at this process, admiring the bucket, admiring its contents, smiling at each other, congratulating Megan. What what color is the fluid? Clear. Oh, motherfucker. That's the shit that I drank. Megan is looking at you, trying to read your reaction to what's going on right now. She looks delighted. All right, holding myself relatively composed, especially as I pass that sanity check, I'm just going to try to give off an air of quiet approval. Isn't like, yes, this is the way it should be. This party seems to continue down in the basement for a while before Megan brings everybody back up the stairs. And that two minute trek starts again. And you're left alone with your thoughts as you ascend the stairs, trying to make sense of what just happened, trying to make sense of what, what this was. How the fuck are you even going to tell Pete about this? Very creatively. And again, the guests are completely unfazed by what's going on. And the party begins to resume in the parlor. Now you'll just hold right a minute here. I'm going to go get you those tapes. Thank you. Megan disappears upstairs. And people continue to drink. People continue to laugh and have fun. And they're just kind of just enjoying the party. You see the guardsmen still just standing, guarding, looking stern. Preventing anyone from leaving. Perhaps. You see that they've taken their 
jackets off at this point, and some of them are wearing these handgun holsters, the underarm kind. And you see one of the guards appears to be holding uh, an assault rifle, actually. And this is very normal to everybody. They don't seem phased by this change at all. That's concerning. Brian, are you okay? I'm worried you're not having any fun. You see the woman who is sitting next to you on the couch? She puts her arm around your shoulder and puts her her lips very close to your ear as she says this. Oh, I'm having an excellent time. Why, is there something more you would suggest? You just seem a little uneasy. How did you find out about us again? And you see, she's starting to kiss your neck at this point. Oh, I suppose in the usual fashion. You know, I don't care if you just found your way in here. It doesn't matter. You know you're one of us now. Oh? Come upstairs and be with me. He'll give the room a quick once-over, see what the lay of the land is at present. As you take a glance around the room, you notice that while people are still engaged in their conversations, they seem to be looking over at you. They want you to go upstairs with her. Hmm. All right, I will, uh, I'll give her the nod. Yeah, that sounds like an excellent idea. She takes you by the hand, and as you begin walking, Megan actually descends from the staircase, and she has this black plastic bag, and she just hands it to you, and she says, here you go, Brian. These are those videos. You should watch these when you get home. They're really going to change your life. I'll snag it from her as I uh, ascend. Right before you get to the stairs and start to make your way up, you hear this slight commotion coming from the still open basement doors. Everybody becomes silent and they start to look at each other. I'll pause on the stairs and look in the direction of the basement. Two of the guards, they just start looking at each other. What the fuck was that? And then there's silence as everybody is standing alert. You see Megan has a scared expression on her face. These guests as well. This is very unexpected. Hmm. I'll step down the stairs a little bit. You start to hear these sounds from the basement. You hear scraping, and then you hear a crash like a stone tumbling. You hear these animalistic howls, and then soon after, you hear gunshots. One, two. Sounds like it's from a pistol, and it sounds sporadic. Sounds like it's just firing wildly. Three, four, five shots ring out. At this point, everybody in the room upstairs has a horrified expression on their face. And the two guardsmen look at each other and then rush down into the basement. Another guardsman comes from a different wing of the house and begins to rush down to the basement as well. I'll edge myself towards the middle of the crowd, wondering what the fuck is about to happen. Megan runs to the basement door, throws it shut, and begins scrambling to find a way to barricade or lock it. I'll leave her to it as I continuously sort of edge my way through the crowd towards the exit. At this point, the front door of the house is completely unwatched. Everybody's attention is is on what's happening in the basement. Megan appears to be scrambling. She's put a, a bunch of chairs and maybe even pushed a heavy appliance in front of the door. And now she appears to be scrambling to grab various items from the house. Everybody is panicking right now. There's such a commotion going on in this parlor. Why don't you go ahead and give me a stealth plus 20? Oh, so 49 out of 50. (laughs) 
Yeah, you are able to just slip right through and you go out that front door and you feel the breeze of the, you feel like the the breeze coming from the ocean and it's refreshing as it hits you and you feel like you made it out. And as you start trying to, just trying to walk to just put distance between you and this property, you can hear these gunshots a little bit more clear. You hear some that are coming from outside. You hear another animalistic howl and you hear a, a human scream, the type of scream that you heard that one night. It's the sound of somebody dying. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just gonna, you know, start making my way towards, you know, not here. So you stand outside of this house right now. You just heard over in maybe like around the side of the house, you just heard what sounded like somebody else's last moments. And you heard these weird animalistic sounds and howls coming from the side of the house. Yeah, as as quickly and quietly as possible, I'm going to try to make my way off the property, heading in the general direction of not here, preferably more towards the city proper. So you make your you make your way down this long driveway, which at the very end there's this gate, and you're moving quickly, and you make it to the almost to the end where the gate is, and you see the limo presumably the same limo, of course, that brought you guys there. And one of the guardsmen is laying slumped up against the side of the limo, his insides torn open, the pistol next to him. And you can see that he is 100% dead. I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to go through his coat to see if my phone is in his pocket. If it is, I'm going to snatch that. And then I'm also going to grab the pistol. All right. Just give me a uh, D100 roll. If you get under 50, my phone is in his, is in his pocket. Oh, fuck. 51. Damn. It was a different guy. Is there another corpse nearby? (laughs) Totally grabbing the pistol, by the way. Awesome. So you have the pistol. You probably tuck it into your waistband or do whatever. You get to this gate. Now, why don't you go ahead and give me a, let's say an alertness roll. Try to operate this thing. Oh, critical failure, 55. Yeah, you can't figure out how to get this fucking thing open. First of all, the little control booth where the operator switch is, completely locked. No way to get in. No keys on the guy. No keys in the limo. You're scrambling right now. You're feeling very panicked. What the fuck? What the fuck? I can't get out of here. This fucking gate. I can't. You're starting to think I can't climb it. I can't. I can't open it. You're starting to feel trapped in this cage right now. You know, I'm going to try to climb the guard shack to see if I can use that as a way to get up on top of the gate and over. Okay, let's do an athletics minus 20. So this is going to be kind of tough. The way that the gate is, it's these very tall iron bars that it's hard to, it's hard to climb them or scale them because they're just these narrow vertical bars. It so, sure is because I rolled an 86. So you're starting to hear more chaos going on inside as you begin to try to climb over the top of this building by jumping on top of the control booth thing. Once I realize that I can't manage to climb this shit, I am going to go back to the limo to see if there's some sort of like remote control. Okay, go ahead and give me a search roll. Uh, 32 out of 40. Okay, you pick the car clean, and you cannot find the remote. 
but you are positive that if it was in there, you would have found it. You try to find like a garage door opener thing clipped on to the visor. You try to go through the glove box and you do find a key. It makes you go and check the gate to see if there's some kind of manual lock for it. Is it the key to the guard shack? Go. You try it on the guard shack and it, it actually does open up. Excellent. I will lock the door to the guard shack behind me and I'll see if I can find the gate open and switch. Yeah, you're able to do that pretty easily. You okay. just press the button and it starts to open up. You feel this safety from within the guard shack, but there is windows on each side and the sound of gunshots and the sound of these animalistic screams are becoming more and more, they're becoming more and more loud. They're sounding more close, especially these animalistic screams. As soon as the gate starts to slide open, I'm out of the guard shack and through the gate. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that it closes automatically behind me. You run through the gate. You hear this howling getting closer and closer behind you. And you're praying for that thing to just start automatically shutting as you go through, but it doesn't. And you feel that, oh, fuck. But you just continue to run. You just continue to go. Oh, yeah. As, as, as fast and as quietly as I can go. You're able to put a significant amount of distance between yourself and the estate. And you look back with a sense of comfort as you start to see the signs of outside civilization. The second you see a regular car pass, the second you see a regular person pass on the street, and you just step right in and just start blending in immediately. And you just have this feeling of just, fuck, fuck, I made it, I made it. You feel close to your chest and you still have the bag with the videos. The only thing you're really missing right now is the phone. You still have the gun tucked in your waistband. And what are you doing? You know, I'm going to try to hail a cab and I'm going to hide the gun as best I can. Hide it like on your person or try to ditch it? On my person, just in case. It doesn't take you too long to get a cab. Pulls up beside you and stops and you get in the back. Where to, buddy? Hey, uh, what time is it? 12.30 midnight. All right, you know what? Why don't you go ahead and I'll give him a street corner near-ish, maybe a block or two away from my apartment, but not actually on my apartment. He takes you to where you want to go. It's not that expensive of a fare. I'll pay him in cash, tell him to keep the tip, keep the change as a tip, and it'll be a pretty generous tip. You're feeling lucky to have gotten out. All the while, on the way back, you're keeping mind of the route to this place. Because while you were in the limo, you couldn't see where this place was. You couldn't really see where they were bringing you. It was the equivalent of having a bag over your head, except it was much more polite because you were engaged in this party atmosphere basically instead it was like prom but weirder it's like a prom limo type thing so you feel good to be back you walk to your apartment what do you what do you do i will uh take the elevator up and as soon as i get into the apartment i am going to get on line with my cell carriers um customer support i want them to remotely nuke my phone after backing it up to the cloud and sending me a replacement. Yeah. We'll say you're able to do that. I don't even think that would require any kind of role. That just seems like something uh, anybody with time can do. Hey, my phone was stolen. I need you guys to, you know, nuke it completely and, you know, shoot me a replacement backed up from the cloud. So yeah, you begin 
you begin starting that process. They assure you that you're, that that's taken care of and you get all of your files. I'm not sure how fast of a process that is, but we're just going to assume that it's almost as instantaneous or. Well, I mean, getting, getting a replacement phone, they'll probably have to take a couple of days to ship it to me or even the next day they'll have it delivered by courier. Right. But as far as taking care of the old phone and updating the, or up, uploading the stuff to, to a cloud yeah, that they're able do to do remotely. remotely. Yeah. As long so, as no one else can get that information. They assure you it's, it's all taken care of and your new replacement phone will arrive shortly. Okay. And then I'm not going to sleep for the rest of the night. Cause Holy fuck. <laughs> I will sit there with the gun in my hand. You know, I'll lock the door, shut the window, lock the windows, put a little barricade up on the door, maybe move a chair or two in front of it, just in case back myself next to the window by the fire escape and just wait to see what happens. You're inside the apartment. You're waiting. You're feeling very anxious, feeling very uneasy. You see the plastic bag that Megan gave you sitting on the table. You can see through the open bag to your copies of 69 and a half and Bridal Whorehouse. One other one as well. Can't read the title of it yet. Nope, nope, nope. Those videos, I am not watching them. They are going to someone else. Pete can fucking deal with that. No, thank you. Eventually, morning comes. You still sit there, awake and on guard, the pistol either in your hand or close by you. You feel the grogginess of somebody who's been up all night. You feel that coldness. You feel that sharp sting of of daylight as it goes through the windows and shines in on your face. I'm not sure how Mike, I'm not sure what was going through Mike's head during you know, his many hours of just waiting and contemplation. But it's now the next day. It's Friday morning. Around 8.30 in the morning, you get a knock on your apartment door. He'll stop and be like, why the fuck wasn't I buzzed from the door? Grab the gun and very quietly move to the peephole to see who's out there. You hold the gun and you move close to the peephole and you look through it ready for whatever is going to be on that other side. And you feel at ease when you see that it's Pete. He's wearing the same suit as he was wearing yesterday. He's trying to look into the peephole himself. And he kind of just looks at his watch for a second. All right, I'll look at him. I'll mutter under my, God damn it, Pete. I'll unlock the door and I'll let him in after moving the furniture out of the way. Jesus Christ, Mike, what the fuck did you do last night? Your fucking job. The one you gave me. And I'll wave the gun over towards the bag of tapes. Take those. You get to watch them. You see, he looks pretty shocked for a second. The gun being out is alarming to him. But he quickly calms down when he realizes that he isn't under any duress. What, what is this? He, he sits down on your couch and he takes the tapes out of the bag. They're fucking pornos, Mike. Yeah, well, there's more to it than that. You were fucking right. This is some weird cult shit. Mike. What the fuck happened in the house, man? You know, no, no, no. We're not talking about this right now. I will fucking write it down for you and you will read it and you will know that I am not fucking lying and you are going to give me a good goddamn long vacation out of this shit. I need at least, at least 35K for last night. Okay, Mike. Okay. I'll take it up with coach. Just don't worry about it. All right. Hey, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're in one piece. 
Yeah, well, I almost fucking wasn't. Look, I'm sorry, okay? I had no idea. I had no fucking idea, Mike. I swear. I'll take these tapes with me. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. I'm going to call coach. You just chill, okay? Yeah, yeah. I'll chill. Right. Pete grabs the black plastic bag, all the tapes inside, and he just clutches it close to his chest, and he leaves. And you look out the peephole and watch him go. He takes one final look back at the apartment, and you see this look of worry and regret in his face. And then he looks down into the bags, and he disappears from sight. We started out as a World of Darkness podcast, but we have expanded our gameplay to multiple systems. Make sure to check out our games in Delta Green, Call of Cthulhu, Pathfinder, 13th Age, and much more 